morning. Excited and thankful that you are here this um, Easter Sunday. And so if you are a, a family and visiting, we're excited that you're here. We know we have some of our family visiting their family. And so what uh, it is a glorious day. Easter is a cool day where we can come together, remember family. But more uh, than that, that's fine. It is a tradition. It is uh, something historically the church has remembered. It's why we worship. We're going to see that he rose up on Sunday on the Lord's Day. So if you are not connected to a church and not worshiping often on the Lord's Day, you're missing out. God has given us his invitation and called us to do this. And so again, uh, my name is Israel Martinez, and I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm super thankful to be able uh, to walk uh, with our church, Redeemer Church, in this season, and specifically today, as we talk about um, Jesus and the one who was resurrected. We're going to look at he is risen. It's going to say he, ha- he has risen in our text, and so we want to point to this idea, but that, that idea doesn't just give us the warm and fluffies, that it actually does something, and that because we come to worship him, we're going to see in the text, just like the Marys do, just like we're called to, that that worship would actually produce change in us and change in the world, because through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Our text, we're going to end in the book of Matthew 28. We're going to look at a whole chapter, okay, and we're going to read it. Uh, We're going to do it a little different, going to kind of read it in narrative form as we walk through the text. There's two main things we're looking at. We want you and, and want ourselves to see that Jesus has actually risen and to be compelled by that. And if that is the case, then we're going to ask the question towards the end, now what? Jesus is risen. He is risen. Now what? And so where we're going to see that, that, that he see or behold. Our text is going to say see, behold, listen, pay attention. It's the same idea. He's going to say see that Jesus Christ has risen. And that because of that, we are to love him. That's worship, another way of saying that. Or to make disciples. And, and that's where we're going to see that change in us or change in the world. Does that make sense? We become, we are disciples. We are learners. That's what the word means in the original language. So if this is true, if the resurrection is true, then us as disciples, learners of Christ, and there are true learners, real believers, learners, disciples, and we see in John 6, we see in other texts, people that think they are disciples or are rolling with Jesus for a season, and then they go away. And so wherever you find yourself in that space, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But that means the opposite is true, that there actually is. We just sang about this glorious day, and it's a glorious day for those who believe him. But if you don't know him, Christ is judge, and he will come. And there is a day of judgment, and that's why we as believers can declare glorious day. So if you don't know them, hear this softly. Hear this hopefully representing the heart of, of Christ and God, our triune God, that he loves you. And he's calling you to see him risen today. No matter where you are, if you've been away from Christ, if you've been walking with him, if you've been walking with with him, doing it imperfectly, but walking with him, he wants you to feel comforted in his resurrection and know that there is a purpose for you today. He is risen, now what? And so when we look at the book of Matthew, uh, we see this, this big theme in Matthew, which is the book Matthew was Jewish, and he wrote mainly to, to, in his Jewish context, and he was writing to Jews, so there's a lot of allusion in that. But this big idea in, Ma- in Matthew is that Jesus is the true Messiah. There was false messiahs right before all the history happened um, uh, of, the, of the, um, the story of Jesus and the crucifixion and all the 
uh, the famous stuff we hear about, that, there, that, that this big theme that Matthew is trying to get out, who was this apostle that witnessed Jesus, and in his gospel, he wants us to see that Jesus is the actual true Messiah, meaning the anointed one, the one who was actually chosen and not someone else. Jesus, the God-man, who was God, actually became flesh. That is what Matthew is trying to show us. And the book of Matthew is on this journey, again, to see or to behold Jesus. And it starts with this, the Christmas story, that God is with us. It's not just the Christmas story, but it is a story that continues that God is with us now. That's the story. If you want to summarize the whole story of the Bible in three words, bam, God is with us. Four words, sorry, right? My grammar's wrong. God is with us. Four words, and you have the gospel, and you can keep. It's the story of Jesus, the story of this true God who is, was with us from the beginning, came with us, and dwelt with us. So we just saying, as a real man, as the, first, the second Adam, the Bible says, the, the, the real Adam means man. He was the real man. He was more human and more human than you and me. He was the only one who could be fully human um, because that's the picture Christ had from the beginning that then would come and, 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 and then save us, his children, to then give us hope to then one day we will be fully human with our resurrected bodies. And so in this, guys, we see this book, I mean, this journey in the book of Matthew to help us see, not just at Easter or Christmas, but throughout our whole life, that God is with us if you're a believer. And if you're not, he can be with you through the power of the Spirit in you, indwelling you, just like he was with Jesus. Um, and, And we see in the book of Matthew that it talks about this idea that Jesus was coming to establish his kingdom. And he does that through his church. So if you're not a part of a local church, we encourage you. It's not that the church doesn't save you, but the church does help you grow in sanctification and growing in Christ. Christ justifies you, but it's like saying, hey, I'm married, right? Uh, Yeah, but I don't really hang out with my wife or my family. That would be a bad father. You would even doubt if that is actually, that was a true father, just like we're a believer. If a believer is not rolling with with a body of believers in the local church, we should, we should question that person. They're probably grieving the spirit or they really need some help to become in community and come back to the fold of walking with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why Jesus died. Remember, we're gonna talk about to make disciples. It wasn't just for you individually. Yes, he did die for you individually, but there's more. He died that we would live this life together as brothers and sisters in Christ and roll together and be committed to local bodies and that that would show the picture of the universal church. And so, guys, in this book of Matthew, we get to, we're going to get to the end, the very last chapter. We're not going to do the whole book of Matthew, um, uh, this sermon. We're going to get to the last chapter, though. And again, um, w- when we get to our text, so open up your Bibles to Matthew 28, chapter 1 through 20. I encourage you, have your eyes in the text. I'm going to read it like a story. I want you to receive it as it was written as a story. And I want us to really be in the text and see what I'm saying is not coming from me. It's coming from God's word. And again, this, this main or big idea in our text today is that we're going to see or behold Jesus. We're going to see, we should, or behold Jesus Christ and that he is risen. And so, because of that, we are to love him and make disciples. Said another way, that, we, that if we see him as risen, we are to worship Jesus or love him who has risen to change you as a disciple, right? And to change the world as we make disciples. And so, with that, um, I want us to think of something for a second. If this is your a millionth Easter, maybe this is your first Easter, I don't know. Wherever you are, if you're a believer or a non-believer or you have no clue, that's okay. This is a safe place where the Lord wants you to see him for the first time or see him for the millionth time is risen. You see, 
I pray that the Holy Spirit right now teaches us deeply to see Christ has risen so that we truly love him and make disciples. We truly love making disciples is another way of saying how we love people. It's a great commandment, right? It's the same thing Jesus is pointing at over and over. So if we worship Jesus who has risen today, we know that he has actually changed us and he will and he has changed the world and he'll continue to change the world that we know. And so in this, guys, before we, we look at our text, we're going to see uh, the story of Jesus being risen. We're going to see this prank or this hoax. I'm going to call it a prank because that makes more sense in our context. It's really a hoax, a lie. And then we're going to see the, like, what we're supposed to do in spite of the true resurrection and the lie. Okay? So that's what our text is going to show us. But, but, but thinking of this hoax idea, um, I, I, I personally enjoy pranks. Why do I enjoy pranks? Um, because they're funny. So think of anything shocking that you've ever seen. Have you ever seen anything shocking or amazing? You're like, really? That's true. Like you're a kid and you see some magic trick or something like the bowling ball and they're holding it. It's like, pa, and it's actually a balloon, right? Whatever things uh, when you're little or something even big, something that some, someone does impressive, think of that. And, and, and then think of this idea of this hoax. I want to talk about uh, uh, a hoax. And I think a modern version of a hoax, um, it's kind of an old word, like hoax, right? it's like 1920s. Ho- maybe think of the word prank, and, and, and pranks are like big hoaxes that people do today in YouTube, and you can see them, and you see people act really weird and, and, and funny in these uh, pranks. But I want us to think about this, because this will help us see our story. Um, what, uh, what, what are some hoaxes or pranks that come to mind? Maybe, maybe Bigfoot, ever heard of Bigfoot? Loch Ness Monster, uh, right? Area 51. Uh, some of these uh, goofy stories, and maybe they're true. I don't know. No, I, I doubt that they're true, but who knows? Um, uh, th- these weird stories of Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Area 51, aliens, all these conspiracies, right? There's all these ideas of, and, and people actually put those on, and there's been stories of like a fake Bigfoot, like some guy was wearing a suit, and someone was like, I promise I saw Bigfoot. I promise I saw him, you know, some guy in, in like deep Oregon. And then it was actually just some random guy who like, 20 years later, it's like, actually, I, it was me. <laughs> I had a Bigfoot suit. So the person really saw something, but they saw a fake Bigfoot, right? So there's all kinds of, of pranks. And I personally, again, I enjoy pranks because you see the person's true character, right? Like uh, you're either a flight person or a fight person generally, um, or you just get stuck. I don't know. Maybe that's the in-between. But whatever your reaction, you can kind of see someone's true reaction. Are they going to have character? Are they going to be a jerk? Are they going to be like really passive and like get stepped on? Or you can see people's character in a prank. So I enjoy that because I think it reveals people's true colors. Um, but um, pranks can go too far. There are some pranks that are sinful and disgusting. And I'm not talking about those pranks. I'm talking about the good natured kind of funny pranks. So two, uh, a, a prank that shocked me. First, I'll tell the, a funny prank. And then a prank that shocked me personally. I was like, man, is that... If I would have saw that, I would have been like, okay, what's going on? So the first prank is, is my favorite one. It's called an NBA, like basketball NBA, a dinosaur prank. You can Google it on YouTube. And so it's funny because I love basketball. And uh, you, you have this tunnel like this, right, where they're coming in to play the game, these NBA guys coming into this big arena. And they walk through this kind of dark tunnel. And there's usually pipe and drape, like somewhere it would be like over there where the door is. And so there's this like black pipe and drape and these big NBA NBA cool like basketball guys walking all like you know cool listening to music and they all walk in and then over there um, you see on the video like this crazy dinosaur thing and it starts running towards them and then like and so again these NBA the you see the coach you see all these players walk in 
And the funny thing to me is like you see these grown, strong men, right? And then some of them just freak because the thing looks real. And then you, obviously you see it has the little human feet. It's someone walking, but the thing looks kind of real. And if you're walking in a dark thing, you know, like hallway, and you see the dinosaur, what happens? So some guys like freak out and they like jump and they like run away. And they, Woo, yeah, you, you can't really hear the audio, but I'm sure they squeal and they, they, they look like little kids. And then some guys are just like, boom, and they hit it and they like are ready to fight it, you know. And so it's just funny again to see how people react to something like that, the, a prank. And so again, uh, that's one of my funny ones to see everybody's reaction. You see, you see people, you see their character. This is a more, a, a, a more serious prank, and it's for, uh, I, I think it's for like the scary movie that I don't recommend. But the prank is interesting because it's, it's set in like this cool New York coffee shop. So imagine like cool New York, kind of like, uh, you know, bricks and cool wood and all that stuff. Um, maybe Seattle, New York. It looks like New York because then you can kind of see there's all these people in, in the coffee shop, and they all look cool and young, and they're getting their coffee and all this stuff, right? And then it kind of pans out and shows like a bird's eye view, kind of three quarters view. And you see kind of like how I can see y'all now. And you see like um, this girl just sitting at her table. And, and, and so she's just sitting there. And then she goes, ah, she like gets mad and just screams. And then like a, a plate falls on the floor or something. And then she like stands up and then like books fall from shelves behind there. And then she, she just, like, I think she screams, like, out of rage. And then she, like, Darth Vader's a guy and goes like that and elevates this guy on the bookshelves. And he rises up. And, and then the funny thing about the prank is you start seeing people's faces. And you see people's faces like, oh, my goodness, the supernatural is real. Like, you just see people's faces. And they're, like, trying to capture it on their phone. And some people are like, uh-uh, I'm out of here. And you see people moving. And you just see the weird, the funniest reactions. Like, people are like, oh, snap. Um, supernatural is real, right, because of this prank. And then what's funny, when you watch the prank, they actually show, I think they show the setup. I don't know if they show it at the beginning or at the end, I forget. But they show the setup, and you see that it was like a string that pulled the plate off and something in the book, like a guy was ready, connected to the, to the bookshelf, and they just rose him up. And you, know, and you see that it was a hoax. It was a prank to make people feel fear of the supernatural. Anyways, uh, I, that's called the like, telekinetic prank where someone has this weird power. And so all that to say, um, I, I wonder what our reaction would be to Jesus' resurrection if we were to think of it as this elaborate hoax or a prank. Again, I, I think that the text is, is taking us there to think, to, to consider, do you see the resurrection as a hoax or as the real thing? Or does your life, he's going to talk about making disciples. Now, you might be like, yes, intellectually I do. Does your life actually reflect that Jesus came and that he's coming back again? Does your life reflect the hoax or does it reflect the resurrection? Think of that. And that's what our text is going to show us again. That we should see Jesus Christ has risen. And so because of that, we are compelled to love God with everything and to make disciples of all nations. Another way of saying that is that because we've seen Jesus risen, that we are to worship him. That's the word we're going to see in our text. What is that? That's calling us to love God. That we are to really worship him with our lives. And that if we worship him, that we know that he has risen, not in vain, but not as a hoax, but to change us and to change the world. And so let's look at our text. We're just going to kind of walk through it, take a few breaks. I'm just kind of going to read it as a narrative and let us soak this in. 
Look at verse 28. Again, this is after Jesus was buried, and, and then the tomb was protected now and guarded. And we start Matthew 28, uh, chap, uh, Matthew 28, chapter 28, verse 1. So now after the Sabbath, on the Saturday, toward the dawn of the first day of the week. That's why we worship on Sunday. That's when Jesus uh, was resurrected, we see. It says, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, there's these, these Marys that were rolling with Jesus, went to see. Now, don't miss that word there, to see, okay? Like, with our eyes, actually see, to witness the what? The tomb. So now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, verse 2. And behold, that's another see. Look up, pay attention, and behold. There was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. You know, this angel's sitting on the stone now. Look what it says in verse 3. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Look back at verse 4. It says, and for fear, that's a little mini theme we see here. For fear of him, they, they, they were scared of the angel, right? Look what the angel says in verse uh, 5. The guards were scared. And look what the, the angel responds to the woman. But the angel said to the women, to the two Marys, do not be afraid. Don't fear. For I know that you seek Jesus. The Bible says that we can seek God, seek first the righteousness of, uh, of Christ. Now, he initiates that in us, but there is this compulsion for us as humans to seek Christ. I know that you seek Christ, that you're looking for him, that you're, even our English word seek or seeing is kind of the same root. You see that? S-E-E-S-E-E-K, some old Germanic thing that changed. That you are looking for Christ. It doesn't mean that they have everything figured out yet, but they were seeking or looking for Christ. In verse 5 again, but the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek or are looking for Jesus who was crucified. You know, he, was, he, he actually died on a Roman cross. Imagine this humiliation that, that, that the, the most perfect human ever who lived a perfect life was actually humiliated for our sake. As if you, as if tomorrow you were to leave the room and someone were to say, hey, you know that person you know at church or that person, they're your family member? They're actually in jail right now. You would be humiliated. Imagine the king of kings, the perfect one, having to be humiliated, knowing that he did nothing wrong. But he, he, he died. He covered all of our sin. We'll talk more about that later. When we think of the crucif crucifixion. There is no re resurrection without the crucifixion. Verse 6, it says, the angel, angel responds, Saying, you know, I know that you seek Jesus Christ who was crucified. Verse 6. But he is not here. For he has risen. And he said, the angel, come see the place where he lay. And, and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, look, see, pay attention. He is going before you to Galilee. Look at this, all these seas. There you will see him. See, I have told you. 
Words are very important in the Bible. They're used for a reason. And so these Marys now are like, they're told to go see the physical Jesus. Look at verse 8. It says, so they departed quickly. They were, they were amped uh, from the tomb. But look, they were amped with fear and great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. So they run to tell the other disciples. And look at this again, verse 9. And behold, it's like, stop, see, listen. Pay attention. Jesus met them and said, greetings. I'm I'm sure it didn't sound that cheesy. Greetings. I'm sure he was just like, hey, guys. I don't know what he said. In English, it sounds a little cheesy or or weird, but he greeted them. I'm sure he hugged them, and and they were like, what? And it says, and they came up and took a hold of his feet. They were were bowing down and, and probably touching his feet and just in amazement, like, dude, isn't this guy dead? He was dead. What in the world is happening? We just saw him on a Roman cross. Imagine seeing someone in jail on death row getting the lethal injection or, or a few years ago getting um, the electric chair and seeing them and then, and then seeing them coming up to you. That would be freaky. It would be weird. But what did they do? They fell. It says they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. They worshiped, and this is what this text is calling us to do, to see, to behold that Christ is risen, to worship him, to love him with everything we have. Look at verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, again, he comforts them, do not be afraid. Don't be scared. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. This is where the region Jesus was from and did most of his ministry. And there they will, what does it say? See me. There's something about seeing Jesus correctly. Many people in the church have spent their whole life in seeing Jesus the wrong way. And I don't know where you are. I'll give a few examples. You've seen Jesus. You've written your story, and you think you can tell a better story. I I do it too. We all think we can tell a better story than God. But God has written the ultimate story in the gospel, and he has called us to see him, not see ourselves, to see him as risen. And when we see him, guys, we can actually be different. We can actually change, but we have to see him correctly. Some people can honestly think Jesus, Santa Claus, and Easter Bunny are the same thing. They've seen Jesus as a thing, as something you do and go, yeah, Easter and eat some turkey or whatever, uh, you know, kind of like Thanksgiving. Man, that's not seeing Christ. You've seen Christ as this false God. You see, some people see Christ as a genie to get what they want, to get their story written perfect. So all the little details of their story so that they can be glorified. But the Bible says, no, see him risen, worship him, not self. This is what the Bible is calling to us to. Now look at the rest of this. It kind of a, a scene change. If like we were watching a movie, right? And it says, in a reporter voice, while they were going, behold, no, it doesn't do that. But think of the scene kind of changing, right? And it says, and while they were going, look at this word again, behold, see, pay attention. Look, look at what some changes. Verse 11, while they were going, behold, some of uh, the guard went into the city. Okay, it says, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest, those were the leaders of the day, uh, all that had taken place. Look at verse 12. And when they had assembled or gathered with the elders, some more leaders, and taken counsel, they actually thought and talked about this and came up with a scheme, they gave a sufficient money to the soldiers. So they paid them off. It's, it's a bribe. And said, 
This is the hoax. If you want to know the ultimate prank, the most ultimate hoax, I think hoax is a stronger word, whatever you want to call it, the ultimate lie. Look at this. It says, tell people, his disciples, his learners, came by night and stole him away while they were asleep. That's it. That's the prank. They lied. They said that Jesus was stolen and that he really didn't resurrect. But Matthew is saying, no, 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 the opposite is true. Look at verse 14. And if this comes to the governor's ear, we have a backup plan. Hey, if it comes to the governor's ears, they're hearing all this stuff about this guy who resurrected, we will satisfy him. We'll take care of him. Don't worry, you're not going to get in trouble and keep you out of trouble. Look at verse 15. So the guards, what they do? They took the money and did as they were directed. And listen to this. This is true even today. I think this was prophetic. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. It's been spread among to the Jews and it's been spread among to the Gentiles, right? That this Jesus thing was a lie. It didn't really happen. And it seeps into us as Christians too. Like eh, the devil wants us to doubt and think, yeah, it wasn't, it was, I don't know. Was it really real? Is it really real? Is he really coming back? The gospel, it, it, the enemy is trying to crush all these points of the gospel. And so, again, what is the purpose of a lie or a prank or a hoax? What's the purpose of that? What is the purpose of a lie or prank or a hoax? It, it's self-serving, right? And so anytime we, you, know, you see something on YouTube, what's the point? These people make millions of dollars making people look goofy, right? Off pranks, they really do. Um, and what was the point of the hoax here? It was a self-serving lie that served the guards. It served all the leadership there in that time to what? To, to save face and say, he didn't really come. They knew he actually came. They actually knew that it happened because they're like, I don't have an answer. But they still lied and they still tried to cover up their tracks and their sin. Have you ever been there? Ever been caught in a trap like Elvis says? Caught in a trap, right? You ever been in such a, a lie that you make more lies and kind of do like David and make up more lie after lie that builds on and it builds and it never ends? And sometimes, man, people will take those things to the grave. But with Christ, Christ is the one who actually crushed the grave. Christ is the one who actually comes and shows that this self-serving prank was nothing. And so, just like the guards and all those people who knew that this, this, this ultimate hoax was a, a hoax. They knew that Christ came. Guys, what is our reaction to Jesus' resurrection? Do we react in stunned? Because the guards were still stunned. They were still amazed in a sense. But it was, is it stunned disbelief? Do you live, do we live our lives in stunned disbelief to Jesus' resurrection? Or like the Marys? And I think God showed us these, these humble ladies that the world may have looked down on. Women were the first ones to see the risen king, right? In, in, in historically, culturally, known as, as, as sometimes lower than men. But Jesus, no, Jesus says, see me to the Marys. And the Marys react. So do we act like, like the guards in stunned disbelief or like the, like the Marys in true worship of the risen king in true gospel belief or allegiance to God's kingdom and not to our own kingdom or to the kingdom of the world? Do you believe the hoax or the, uh, do you believe the hoax, which is the false story? Or do you believe the resurrection? Can you see Jesus Christ has risen and that he's actually risen? And guys, that this changes us and this changes us to love him and to make 
disciples. We'll respond in worship of Jesus who has risen to change the world and change us. Let's look at this last section. And again, the big question, if we've seen the ultimate prank, God wants us to see his ultimate mission the great commandment and the great commission for his glory, that we would love him and love people and make disciples of all nations for God's glory. Remember the initial question, he is risen, now what? Now what? How does this change us? How does this affect us? Look at the next chunk in 16 through 20. It says, now the 11 disciples, remember Judas um, was not around, went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Jesus just told them to go to the mountain. And when they saw him, look at this, just like the Marys, they worshiped him. They loved him. But look at this other part. We see doubting Thomas and I'm sure some of the others, but some doubted. Guys, that's where we're going to be. That, 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 that's going to happen. We're going to encounter. They actually saw him for real, for real, like in person, and they still doubted. You don't think you're going to have doubt? John the Baptist, who Jesus says was the greatest person who ever lived. He's going to be number one human other than Jesus, is what we think. Um, and, and Jesus said, and John at the end of his life, right before he's going to get beheaded, doubted. He said, is he really the Christ? Is he really the Messiah? And so, guys, God knows your weakness. God knows that you doubt and that I doubt. That's why we need the gospel every day, not just on Easter, not just once. The gospel is not just for you to be like, boom, I'm saved. I can go do whatever I want. The gospel changes you. The gospel is for you every day and every moment. That's why we take communion every week. You don't have to, but it's a reminder to repent and believe, to turn away from sin and turn to Christ in true worship and true belief or true love of God. Those are all synonyms for what Jesus calls us to do, to abide in him to dwell in him, just like we sang, that Christ, um, the, the word of, of Christ dwelt in human flesh. And now the God, now God who is God with us dwells in us. If you're his children through the power of the Holy Spirit, guys, he is risen. Now what? But look, continue with verse 18. We saw that some were worshiping and some were doubting. Look at verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, he says, I know you're doubting. But the authority is in me. It's not in you. That's the gospel. Like, it ain't about you. It ain't about you producing faith or being more faithful. Yes, those things happen because we fall down on our face and worship him. And when we do that, he will make you. He will produce that in you. The spirit will produce good works. You will actually make disciples if you love him. A lot of times we just want to make disciples. We want to do good works. We want to do the things God says. We want to be obedient. We want to stop doing this sin or that sin. And Jesus says, you haven't even started with loving me. You haven't started like the Marys. You haven't really believed the resurrection and how it should change every single aspect of your, of your lives, how you love your children, how you love your spouse, how you talk to your, your now adult children, or how you as parents talk to your little babies, right? How you talk to your neighbors at work. The gospel changes you, how you deal with finances, how you deal with this situation or that situation, this relationship, that relationship, this sin issue, that sin issue. The gospel changes you, and it's the power of Christ every day, every moment to walk in repentance and belief and be changed. Guys, you have the power. If you know Christ, you have his spirit's power. The authority is from Christ. Look at what he says. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me as the God man Jesus is saying. He says, now, if you believe this, go 
He's not just saying go to Africa or go to some different country or go to Latin America. He's saying the, the word here is as you're going, as you're living your life with your kids, with those people at work, with your spouse, all those hard situations, conflict is inevitable. Remember Philippians says suffering and conflict are inevitable. They're coming. Now, how are you going to do? How are you going to gospel yourself in those things? That's what Jesus is calling us to. And it says, and it says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's alluding that he's, he, he created and he's coming back. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make learners. Your job isn't to convert. Your job is to learn people up, to teach them the gospel, to teach them the truth. If it's the person at work that doesn't know Jesus, you're like, I know they don't know Jesus. Or if it's the, your parent or, or, or your, your son and daughter, you're like, I don't know. I told them about Jesus. They should know about Jesus, but I'm not sure. They're not really walking. It doesn't matter. Or if it's the person that you know believes in Christ. All these different areas. You, you gospel those people. doesn't mean you give them a sermon every week. It's with your tongue. Is the gospel on your lips? Is the truth just come from you because you're worshiping Jesus? It will. And the Spirit will give you the right moment of when to speak that word of truth to your parent, and they might not like it, or when to speak that word of truth to your child, and they might not like it, or when to step up at work and say, I don't know about that. You know, that goes against my faith. The Spirit will give you the ability to dance, and you don't have to learn the moves. He'll give you the moves. Love him. Abide in him. And guys, this is our joy, that if we see him risen, then we should be compelled to love him and invest in people. That's what decide. Look what it says. Baptizing them. It doesn't mean going under the water. It does mean that. We see Jesus give us that example in Matthew at the beginning. So it means that, but it means deeper than that. But what is our baptism? It's an immersion into the gospel. That's what he's saying. That's what bat- we, we transliterated the word baptism. So it's baptizo. doesn't mean anything. All, bat- baptizo means to be immersed. So think of it that way. Jesus says, and he gave all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, all people. You got to love all kinds of people. That's what he's pointing. Baptizing them, immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God. And then teaching them. Once you really love God, then you can do his commandments. Look at what it says. Teaching them. If you love God, then you, will, you too will teach them to observe all that I have commanded. His commandments. Which, what's his greatest commandment? Love me. Worship me. Love people. Any point, he ends his gospel. He said this in Matthew 22, alluding to right, right after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem in, in chapter 21 and chapter 22, he gives us what he's saying, the greatest commandment. They're trying to trick him. And he says, if you believe, if you worship him, you will be compelled to make disciples. And guys, there's, there's no pressure. You make disciples not just having coffee at a coffee shop or teaching someone the Bible. It's everything you do. It's your holistic life. Some people in here can run a business. Some people can do uh, crazy, cool things. And God's given you that, that if you love him and love his word, you don't have to be a theologian. Make disciples with what you've got. Teach these young generations how to, how to run a business, how to, well, we don't really do, how to uh, manage their money, maybe, a, uh, you know, how to write a check. Some people are like, we don't write checks anymore. I don't know. Whatever little skills and things that you got, God's given you the ability to play. Go play. All the disciples were different. Matthew was a tax collector. Any, any accountants in here? I know one, but maybe that's your thing. Do that for the glory of God, right? What is the thing that you do? God has gifted you, and he's called us as the body to make disciples, to be, cont- be compelled. The more that we love him, the more we understand that he's allowed us to play. Look what he says in the last verse. Verse 20 again. Teaching them to observe, to really watch, behold, know, 
all that I have commanded you. And behold, he says again, and see, don't, don't forget, I'm risen. I am with you always to the end of the age. Feel that. Christ is with you. He loves you. He knows you. And he's with you. And he's with us to the end of the age. So, guys, what is our response? He is risen now what? If you don't know him or if you know him and, and you're struggling or if, if you're doing good and you're just following him, he called us to the same thing. In Mark, Jesus opens the gospel and he says, he opens his, his, uh, the, the, his dialogue and he says, repent and believe. Okay, not just one time. Repent and believe. You're gonna do it for the first time if you're really saved. And he says, repent and believe because the kingdom of God is at hand. So when you repent and believe for the first time, the Bible says no one can pluck you from God's hand. You're always saved. You're supposed to, our response, he is risen, now what? Is to make disciples. And, and how did someone really make disciples? If you really love and worship God, if you really love and worship God, you will abide in him, live in him. And this is what he's saying. Repent, turn away from sin. Not just one time, not just a sin you did when you were 16 or 20 or 10. You would keep turning away from that sin and keep turning, right, to what? Repenting is a, a turning, and literally in Greek, that means a change of the mind. It's this change of the mind. Is your mind being changed? Is it being transformed, like Paul says, every moment of every day? You're going to fail. Keep going. Keep asking the Spirit to change you. And the Bible says that your mind will change. It will literally be changed, and things that you used to love and do will fade, as the old song says. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will go strangely dim and you will turn to Christ in what? In belief, in worship, in love. You will see him as risen. You will know him. You will turn to Christ and he will become your treasure. In what? In belief, in love of God. Those are synonyms in a sense, different ideas, but it's pointing to the same thing that you would worship God. And so if this is your millionth Easter or your first Easter, see him as risen, repent and believe, turn um, from God and turn to God in his kingdom. Jesus changed everything, and he shows us in his gospel. In creation, he made everything good, and then there was this fall, and God is writing this beautiful story in this fall. He knew we would fall, and then there was redemption, what we see in, in the resurrection, that Christ came and he died, and the perfect man who lived a perfect life actually died. He was put on a Roman cross and bled and suffered, but more than the physical pain. And he took on all, all of the sin, he took on sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that you, children of God, can become the righteousness of Christ, the justice of Christ, the goodness of Christ. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? And this God-man who then died, what happened? We see here he resurrected, and then he promises to come back again and restore everything and make all things new. There will be no more pain and no more tears and no more suffering. Let that gospel carry you. And if you don't believe him. Believe him today. Don't fall for the hoax. Worship Jesus who has risen to change you and change the world. Don't fall for the hoax, even you as Christians. Don't grieve the spirit and walk away from him. See Christ has risen and that we are to love him and make disciples. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for everything you've given, Lord. You are good. And there's so much to talk about in your resurrection, but before we get ahead of ourselves, Lord, let us just remember our text that it simply has called us to behold, to see you as risen. And then in that, Lord, may we just worship you and love you and know that you have called us to make disciples, to invest in people, to love people, to be obedient to what you've called us and that you 
we know and rest in your authority that you've changed us and you're changing the world. You change the world and you continue to change the world and one day ultimately you will change the world. We see the new heavens and the new earth. In your precious name we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.